0: You are now listening to the Unstucked Podcast, where we teach you actionable steps to get unstuck in your life, career, finances, and business. Here's your host, Khalil Dumas. Some exciting news. I built an app. I know, right? Crazy. It's called the One-on-One app, where we help you become 1% better together. It's an app that helps you break down your goals, achieving your habits in incremental steps. And it helps you celebrate your progress and your momentum with streaks, check-ins, milestones. And with our multidimensional approach to a balanced lifestyle, we really help you become 1% better together. So go download it, it's a free app. It'll be linked below. It's only for iOS right now. We're working on getting it in Google Play. But I really believe that this is a -a one-of-a-kind mental health and wellness app that is truly groundbreaking. To give you some like perspective, it's like Noom, but for habit building. And I'm really excited to share this with you. And I'm really excited to get your feedback. So if you download it, you enjoy it, leave us a review. Thank you so much. And on to the episode. Have you downloaded Threads yet? Okay, I'm obsessed. And this is where I've been spending a lot of my time. So if you haven't already, go ahead and follow me on Threads at Unstucked. And I've been having a lot of conversations, both constructive and unhinged. So if you want all of the above... Make sure you follow us on threads at Unstucked. Are you thinking about buying a home and don't know where to start, feeling stuck, or maybe you're looking to buy your second property and feel overwhelmed to restart the process? Don't worry. Today's guest, Jason Nichols, has been a realtor for 10 years where he's helped people buy, sell, and renovate homes. His ultimate goal is to help others make wise decisions and guide them away from investments that may not benefit them in the long run. Today, we unpack some really valuable things such as whether or not you should get an FHA or a conventional loan, whether you should rent or buy, which is one of the most infamous questions I still get to this day, and also what brought Jason to be a realtor, his journey from entry-level jobs to realtor extraordinaire. I'm excited to dive in. Now on to the episode. Jason, long time coming. Thanks for coming on.
1: Thanks, Cole. Thanks for having me here. I really appreciate it. How are you doing today?
0: Doing well, you know, housing market and just been thinking about that and just seeing what's going on in the economy. You know, I've never interviewed a realtor. I've never interviewed anyone who really was in the housing market. And I thought I've gotten a lot of questions, comments from people, especially coming out of some of our, one of the best times to buy, honestly, and now what feels like one of the hardest times. So before we launch into all that, all things, you know, renting first, buying what to do if you're looking to purchase a home, et cetera. Just want to get to know you a little bit. I know you really well. Uh, Jason actually lives locally in the Portland metro area, I have a lot of mutual friends, and I've been trying to get Jason on the show for quite a bit. Uh, this is his first episode, podcast episode ever. So we're really excited for that. So Jason, let us know a little bit about you. Thanks, Chloe. I really appreciate it.
1: I would say, you know, been in the market now, this is almost my 10th year. So October of this year will be year 10. So that's a pretty good accomplishment, just For myself, I guess, kind of, you know, getting into it, I remember my first review and just jumping into real estate, you know, it was a scary thing. 2013, times were a little bit different. And I feel like it's like you're saying, it's been kind of a roller coaster ever since then. Yes, and now this year has kind of drastically shifted really since April of last year, uh, when interest rates kind of went up to that 7% point. About me, you know, uh, I kind of grew up in like Oswego. I uh, worked several different areas and things. I mean, I started working at 15 years old as a bus boy. I was uh, at Round Table Pizza for three years, became a supervisor at 18, worked two jobs, went to school, did construction, worked new construction for a long time, did remodeling. So I've kind of always kind of liked real estate. I also had a friend's brother that was one of uh, the major developers in the Portland area coin splitting lots back in the 80s. So kind of always watched his success through real estate. I thought it was really, really cool. I mean, obviously we do a little bit different things, but yeah, so that's kind of what happened. You know, kind of got out of school, started going to just regular jobs. 08 was uh the crash for a lot of people, including myself, got laid off in new construction and kind of went back to work at Columbia, actually just as like a, an employee at the employee store and REI as well kind of customer service kind of based stuff and then just decided to get my real estate license, which was very interesting. And it didn't just happen overnight. Realistically, we bought a uh, rental property, my wife at the time, or which it wasn't my wife then, but bought a rental and we kind of worked through that. I remodeled it and kind of spearheaded that whole thing. And our realtor was just fantastic. I mean, his his customer service was great. His care for, you know, humans was awesome. The way he looked at real estate being a long term you know, objective and he himself owning 20 plus doors, it was just a very cool, very uh, eye-opening experience. And I just kind of really thought I would might be a really good fit for that based on all my previous experience in customer service, restaurant industry, construction, you know, my understanding of how houses are built and all that good stuff. So I I think that's kind of what really spearheaded me into that zone.
0: That's awesome. And I love to hear the background. And it's really interesting because I always hear that word layoff a lot of the time is like this pivotal moment. I think it's this scary thing, but then it actually ends up unleashing a lot of potential. And I also love how you mentioned others influencing you too, right? Like their experience, them doing the job really well really gave you the ability to see yourself in it. So I always love to give that background because I know there's quite a bit of people who I know just personally from my audience who are interested in real estate, not really sure when or how to make the leap, think like this environment isn't the time. But I always think that like when we're in recessions or when we're in really awful times and people are scared, is actually a great time to jump in. Would you agree?
1: I, I would agree to a certain extent, yes. I think any time for the right person with the right mindset is gonna be the right time, 100%. I think with social media and what they play real estate as, and it being a a seven-day-a-week type of deal, and it's not something you can do part-time and really succeed, I think there's a lot of misconceptions in that side of it. But no, I I 100% agree. I think there's always opportunity. And people that are coming into it usually are a little bit more hungry than the people that have been in it five or 10 years. I mean, you know, as... We still want to be driven and and all that stuff. But again, try to be more referral-based where when you're first getting in, you're going to do every open house you can do. You're going to knock the doors. You're going to do all these things to succeed. And I mean, if you don't, you're not going to succeed. But I don't know that it's a bad thing. The only thing I would say is that there is a lot smaller amount of transactions happening due to the rates. There is a lot of realtors that are leaving the industry. Same with the mortgage industry too just because there isn't as many transactions to go around for everybody. That would be kind of the little bit of the tough part. But if you're driven and it's what you've always wanted to do, go for it. You know, and if you have that other person that's kind of there to support you in the beginning, because a lot of people don't tell you, but realistically, you kind of have to be set up for a year in advance. Right when you get in it, your first paycheck might not be for nine months. It might not be for a year and i've seen that play out multiple times with you know realtors that have come into the business i've tried to help and some succeed and love it and some you know they just kind of have to exit out the door and go back to the 9 to 5 gig so
0: I love that you mentioned mindset. I love that you've called out a lot of the misconceptions, shockingly, that social media provides and hunger. I think that's a big thing I focus on is like when you're in difficult times, it's your ability to get creative and stand out that will drive your success. But again, mainly it's that mindset. Speaking of misconceptions, and it makes a lot of sense that not only there are misconceptions about entering any job when you look on social media, yeah. even like this, the social media <laughs> manager glorification that's been going on, but those misconceptions kind of find their way into and onto prospective clients and just general consumers in the home market. As you've been a realtor for 10 years, what are some of the common misconceptions that you've noticed from some of the clients you've worked with that they have just about purchasing a home in general?
1: I've thought about this a little bit. And I think the biggest misconception that I see is that you have to have 20% down to purchase a home. Wait, you don't? Yeah, exactly, right? Like it's, it's interesting because it's like, I don't know where that comes from most of the people i've helped you know it's been three percent to five percent you can do a three and a half percent fha loan you can do a five percent conventional loan there's a three percent conventional loan as well i mean va if you're a veteran i mean they have the zero down and you'll have some of the best interest rates out there actually you will have the best interest rates out of anybody so there is a lot of misconception around that i'll talk to people you know they said that well we wanted to call you six to nine months ago but we just didn't have 20 percent down I'm not saying don't do what you want to do and save what you want to save. Obviously, if you put 20% down, you're going to have lower payments. It's all about your monthly budget. But some of the best rates are at 15% because they want to keep PMI on the loan and make it more safe for the lender. And so that 15% mark might be okay. I also think there's a misconception about mortgage insurance being so expensive. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's usually about $100 to $150 a month for most people in that first-time home buyer, you know, price bracket, which is... Unfortunately, now like 400 to 700, depending on what you're going to jump into. But yeah, I really feel like that's probably the biggest thing for me anyway.
0: Yeah. And I want to just circle back. Can you explain what's an FHA for a conventional loan? What does that mean?
1: So FHA loan is people will kind of jump into those a little bit in the beginning because your credit score doesn't have to be as high as say a conventional loan. Conventional loan, you basically 5% minimum and the PMI will automatically drop off after you reach like an 80 to 20% loan to value after you've owned that home for a certain amount of time. FHA, the PMI will never drop off. But FHA sometimes has better rates and sometimes it works for those people. And I think it's like this misconception of like, Hey, if I can't get a a conventional loan, I'm not going to, I just don't want to do it. And it's like, I've had, tons of people in the FHA. If you think about it, your first home, you're only really going to probably be in it three to five years, and then you're going to sell anyway. So it's a great entry to get in. And it's not looked at in a really different way. I mean, list, some listing agents will say, oh, you know, we don't want an FHA loan because the appraisal is different. Well, the appraisal is really not that much different. And I've had one time in 10 years where the FHA appraiser called out and said, we need to have the fence painted. And sure, it ruffled some feathers and people were upset, but you know, you paint the fence and you move on. You find a, a resolution and, and you go forward. So there is a little bit more differences, but I think, like, you know, for the general population, that's really going to be it. I mean, that's, you can have a way lower credit score. I think it's more in the 640s or whatever to get an FHA loan. As your credit gets better, then you kind of get into that. And then it's going to be the down payment as well that you would need.
0: You know, I can just speaking from a shared experience, I purchased my first home in July of 2020. I had the same amount of confusion around which loan to land on. I ended up going with a conventional loan. I remember overthinking what PMI was going to be, how much that was going to be. Luckily, when I bought was a good time. And so that actually dropped off about eight months ago, which was great. So just wanted to like... Circle and star that because I had the exact same like misconceptions. And I hear this conversation over and over again about these little minute details after you get out of the process that really shouldn't keep you from purchasing a home. Yeah.
1: But it's the biggest purchase that you're ever going to make, you know, or I mean, your next one may be a little bigger, but at that moment in life, it is real estate is very emotional. And I think people get very, you know, obviously they get attached to homes. They, It's got to give them the feels. And you know that's another interesting thing with real estate. I I keep hearing everyone's going to go to virtual buying and that's what they're going to do. And honestly, I've only helped maybe two people virtually buy something. And it's usually new construction because at that point, you've already kind of seen it, you know what you're getting. But real estate is, it's emotional. You can't smell the smells when you're there. You can't see the neighborhood. You can't feel what you're buying into virtually. And, And people are going to bedazzle that just like they do anything else on social media and try to get you to buy
0: it without seeing it you know so weird what are the benefits of buying without seeing right weird i love that context i think it's important and just again like that was huge for me even even when i did come and see the house you know 3 to 6 months after the purchase there's just still things you don't know what your neighbor's going to be like you don't know how your neighborhood is in the middle of the day or at night so definitely encourage people to take their time An area and personally where I I see people get stuck in this home buying process is really like the start like like where do I start like what do I do first like do I need to get pre-approved and yes I've been asked that question verbatim like do I even need to get pre-approved or like what even is that what are some of the areas you see people get stuck and and if you would just in your answer just talk about where to start if I do want to start looking to buy I think. The
1: most people start at the internet, right? Like they're going to do their own research, they're going to look at houses, they're going to download Zillow, they're going to just start getting crazy. And I think the biggest thing is they don't, they're kind of scared to reach out to that lender or that realtor because maybe they're not 100% ready, And, and that's okay. And I feel like I get calls that people they waited until this moment and they're still not ready, right? So for me, I think it's getting over the hurdle, or for them, getting over the hurdle of just reaching out and making a call and not feeling like they're wasting so much time because you're not wasting anybody's time. Like That's kind of what this job is. It's like we're supposed to be these advocates for our clients and kind of guide them into these first steps. And if the first step is literally just having a conversation about what their goals are and where they want to be in 12 months from now or 14 months from now or two years from now, whatever, a lot of those things can be kind of put into a timeline for them. And I also see a lot of people not want to run their credit and get pre-approved. And while that's okay, you still are never going to know exactly what your budget is. You can run all the, the mortgage calculators you want online, but every home is different. All the taxes are different. HOA fees, all these things make a difference. And until you know where your budget is, I feel like it's really hard to pinpoint where you should be. So I think... Getting in front of people and picking up the phone and calling someone you trust to talk about it is probably the hardest thing for people, especially in today's day and age where I feel like that interpersonal connection is kind of going away a little bit. And, you know, people will DM little questions here or whatnot, but they won't pick up that phone call or or say, hey, let's go grab a beer or let's go grab a coffee. I just have some questions, you know, and so it's really nice when I do get those phone calls and they're like, Hey, I just have questions and I'm probably 12 months out because honestly, some of those people will be the most prepared out of anybody to purchase. Yeah. So
0: no, it's so true. I'm the one annoying person that takes, and I guess I'm not annoying, but I'm the one person that takes advantage of that full stop. Always calling my lenders, always calling my realtors to ask questions constantly. But I think that's super important. And I think that's where a lot of people should start. And that's something we even just talk about outside of real estate. When we talk about mindset, we talk about growth, like your ability to ask questions and get a little uncomfortable will really help orient you in terms of really any space that you're trying to break into for the first time. So I really appreciate that context a lot. Yeah, for sure. A huge thing that you see speaking of social media and just speaking of the general dialogue around the housing market is renting versus buying. I wanted to preface this with a little example back in, I believe it was like early 2019 or late 2019, I was starting to look at purchasing a home. I was renting out a place for about 1650 a month. Uh, I had roommates. We were paying each like $620 a piece. It was like, why would I ever give this up? COVID came around and all of a sudden I felt this lack of security. I was lucky that I had a landlord that was great, but I wasn't sure what people were going to do. Was our landlord going to sell the house? Were they going to raise the rent? What like, what was going to happen? And so that level of insecurity is what kind of tiptoed me into purchasing in the middle of a pandemic, which when we came out on the other side, my mortgage at the end of the day was around $1,900. So when you think about like the increase in the influx for this asset, it wasn't a hu- as huge of a change as I thought it would be. I think where I was a little bit shocked in the process was like closing costs and things like that. But that's what ultimately answered the question for me was, you know, now three years into home ownership, seeing equity, seeing how much we've earned, being one of the main assets that we owned and helped generate revenue. So when people are thinking and weighing like renting first buying, they're hearing all of these different points. I wanted to just enter in a very rational, smart voice into this conversation. And you, what is your take on this rent first buying?
1: I think it's totally up to each individual and where they are in their life and kind of where they see themselves or whatnot. I think for me, obviously, I'll say buying gives you extra benefits. Obviously, you don't have to worry about your rent raising and you don't, you know, you're kind of more locked in. Long term wealth is good. Uh, You're going to build equity. And I know people are going to say, hold up, we're not going to build equity. We're going to go in this giant recession in the next two years and we're going to lose 50%. We're going to have 08 all over again or whatever. But the reality is, I think the control that you have with owning, as long as you looked at your budget, again, going back to monthly budget, don't pay attention to prices, like whatever, go back to monthly budget, you're having a mortgage broker look at it, you're calculating it and you're saying, hey, I'm paying 1650 for rent, now I'm paying 1900 but now I'm locked in and I can control my own destiny with this. It doesn't matter if it goes down 10%, 20%. You're still, your monthly payment still the same. So as long as your income is going to stay the same, you're still going to be in a better position than what if you were renting. Now, I did have a client call last week and we were having this exact conversation and they're moving up from another state and they don't know the area that well, but they want to be in a certain school district and they, the inventory is very low in this area. And so they feel a lot of pressure on they should buy right now. And they literally called and they asked this exact question. Like, should we just move there and rent, or should we purchase and rush into it? And my exact answer was, you have to do what's best for you and what you want to do. But reality, I would actually move here. I would rent a place for 12 months, get on a lease, and then see how you like the area, see how it fits. You know, Because realistically, you're moving a whole nother state. Who knows if you're going to stay here? So in that case, it's like, you're not missing out. I think people have a lot of FOMO. They're going to miss the market today. Well, You may miss a low rate, you may miss a high rate, you may miss some blip in time, but reality is you cannot ever time the market perfectly. But if you rush into a home purchase just because you felt like that, I don't think that's a really good way to be either. Move up here, give yourself a little breathing room, start looking, get pre-approved. At worst case, you're going to do a lease break, right? You're going to be out like three grand probably or something like that. But if you and your family are in a better position, that's what you should do. I think there also is people that have this like lifelong kind of rent, what they want to do, or they want to be lifelong renters. That's okay too. I've heard stuff like that. And if that's what you want to do, it's fine. I mean, maybe they don't want to take care of all these things and they don't want to have to worry about replacing a roof or whatnot. But the reality is when we all get old, and we all hit retirement, the idea behind home ownership is now you don't have to pay any more your monthly payments, right? So you got your, your retirement, you got social security, you got all these things, your, your bills are lower, and, and you're controlling that into retirement. There is people that get stuck with renting when they're that age and rent just outprices them basically, and now you're in a bad position. So that would be my major argument for that. But you can't convince everybody. And it just kind of, you know, I'm not going to push everyone into something they're uncomfortable with either, so.
0: I wish I would have called you three and a half years ago because I think that was a really great answer. And on top of that, I think... What people forget about is at the end of the day, you have realtors like Jason who are actually looking out for your best interest. And then you have people who are kind of hungry for that sell. So they'll tell you really anything that you need to hear to get to that position. So I couldn't agree more. I think, again, where, where I started was budgeting. Um, I have a budgeting guide that's linked below. Like You're like, I don't even know what my budget looks like. That's a great place to start even before jumping to pre-approval. And I love that advice, by the way, and I'm actually going to take that because I've had so many people from California primarily that are like looking to move up to Portland and they're obviously looking at our home prices and going, wait, I can get something for under a million dollars and they're just jumping to move up here. And I love your advice about renting to just see the area. And I think that goes for anyone that's maybe looking to move in a new area, even if it's within your state. I think it's really important to get cozy with the area. I got into my home purchase easy and fast because I knew the area well and I was here, so I just wanted to double back on that because in all my conversations, that's really the first time I've heard someone give that advice. And I think it's really, really valuable. I mean, if
1: you live here and you're from here,
0: I mean, you're going to know the different areas, right?
1: But you're moving here. It's still a huge purchase. So what if you move here? And at Hassan, uh, we used to do a lot of Nike Relo, and we still do. But you know, these people move for jobs. They kind of have to move or whatever. Some stay six months, some stay a year. I mean, buying and selling a home within a 12-month period does not guarantee you're going to be able to come out ahead. I mean, especially right now. I mean, right now I'm telling people that really, if you're going to buy, you really need to be looking at the three to five year, ultimately, because we don't know what's going to happen. The whole like doom and gloom and fun stuff. Like I, I don't believe at all because i lived living through <laughs> a but, yeah. um, you know, I do think that we're in for something here eventually, but I don't know that it's going to be as crazy as everyone makes it out to be today.
0: And I can't tell you how much I appreciate that take. Because I think that is the hardest part in breaking through really conversations inside of real estate, outside of real estate is people kind of had their mind made up and I just want to make sure everyone's coming with robust facts and, and different perspectives. So I really appreciate that. As you think back in your 10 year career, what are some of your like favorite success stories when you think about real estate? Just with clients, like don't have to name them, but just I want to give some positive stories. Cause again, I'm an advocate for homeownership. If you can make it happen, I think to your point and just in my own experience, like it's been a positive. So I just wanted to share like what are some of those wins look like for you?
1: So I thought about this pretty in depth as well. So, I think the one that I really wanted to share was I 10 years ago, actually, my first client, you know, they purchased a one bedroom, one bath home in St. Helens for $89,000, right? And so, most people are like, whoa, $89,000. Well, that was still there in St. Helens <laughs> 10 years ago for sure. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think Michael Myers might have lived in the back or something, but it was not a big deal at the time. You know, getting into home ownership was what they wanted to do. But, you know, they ended up selling that home a couple years later. Realized St. Helens was too far for them, and taking some of that equity, rolling it into a you know a 229 house here in Beaverton, little three one ranch home, and lived there for about two three years. Then ended up we put it on the market, sold it for like 430. Okay, now we're starting to actually see some equity build, right? And then they you know pay off some debts and move it into a home that was new construction for 415 out in North Plains. Now fast forward two years later we have it on the market and it's pending and uh, they're going to move into a new construction home and at the 650 range and almost 3000 square feet. And they're super excited. So it's very cool to see that over 10 years, if you take the steps that are necessary, that you can end up, you know, where you want. And it's not that those other homes weren't exactly what they wanted. I think that's another thing is like everyone gets so caught up on they need to have the perfect home for their first home. It's not really the way it actually works. And you know it may be for some if you have you inherited money or whatnot, and you know you have someone that wants to purchase a home, but for most, it's gonna be steps. Every one of those steps worked out better than the one before. And now that they're getting to land into a home where they got to have some choices in design and they feel super good about it, and yes, the rates suck right now for sure. And uh, <laughs> thanks you know, for acknowledging gonna, that. <laughs> yeah, they're going to do a you know a two one with a, a VA loan. And what a two one is, it's going to buy the rate down two percent the first year, one percent the second. I'm not the hugest advocate of them. I'm not going to say everyone run out by a two one, but for this situation, it works very well. As for a VA streamline, well, he's a VA loan, so they can do a streamline refinance at any time in the next two years, and it costs a veteran nothing. So for them, this gives them a time to get into that home for a better price. It's more affordable. And then hopefully in the next year or two, if we see some relief, you know, they can streamline that uh, refi. But again, always giving the guidance to if you cannot afford the actual payment at 7%, do not buy the home. Because, you know, it just is what it is. And, and they can do either one, but it's a cool benefit they can take an advantage of today with what we have going on in the market. So. I think that's a really cool, really cool story. And it kind of showcases a timeline of like
0: the whole time I've been in in the business. So kind of neat. That's a very realistic case. And I appreciate that case as someone who is vastly impatient in this (laughs) market myself. It's something that when I first bought, had the same misconception of like, I got to find this perfect home. And I'm actually really happy with the home we moved into. Um, And again, it's definitely a stepping stone. But the thing that I think people don't think about outside of just what the home looks like is what it actually takes to maintain a home. And I think that that was a huge thing that Marv did. We named our home Marv. Uh, don't ask. We can get into <laughs> why later. Um, but that was something that our home really taught us well. And it was a good enough size where we could address a first plumbing issue or we renovated and flipped this whole house and we got to really see what that process was like and all of the miscellaneous expenses we didn't calculate for. And now we're looking at something twice as big. Now we feel really confident. We know what to look for. We know what questions to ask. We know this whole process ins and outs. So I wanted to underline that as part of the step is not only just the aesthetic and where you're at, but also just like getting used to owning a home, which is different than renting where you can just call someone and they come fix it.
1: Yes, I 100% agree. I think going through the process, you just learn so much from it. And every single time you go through it again, you're still going to learn. Every time is a new learning experience. You're always going to learn something in real (laughs) estate.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: But you're more familiar, you're more comfortable, and you have now learned certain things from you living there. Maybe you don't like, you know, an attached house, or I don't know if you live in an attached house. I'm just saying, like, some people are like, this is what I don't want next time or whatnot, right? No matter what the budget, I really feel like there's things you need to, really pay close attention to and it's like not buying on a busy street you know like if the neighbor's home looks like they're a hoarder home and and nothing against hoarders in any way but it will affect your resale value and you need to know those kind of things and i think a lot of people get caught up in shiny quartz counters and cabinets and, and and cheap house flips that people have done to make a quick buck where they should have bought a home that was all original three, two, and it was in their price point in a better location because that home is ultimately going to have better resale eventually. When I'm helping someone purchase a home, I really try to look at the home from all those different aspects and just make sure that they're, they're, they're actually thinking about those things. Because I think it's very, very easy to get blinded by shiny objects.
0: No, it's so true. And that was a big thing. And one of the bigger rationales of why I purchased the home I purchased too, as I realized in the market we're in, the location we're in, There's always going to be first time home buyers and they're not always going to be able to buy your dream home that you think about in your head. So actually having this stepping stone property is really easy to then sell to someone who, you know, will be right back in your same position. And honestly, that was some advice my past realtor gave, which I thought was great, which is like, think about you in three to five years. There's going to be that person looking to buy that house.
1: Right. And again, like going back to it's just about monthly budget. I really feel like that's the most important part. And whether you can buy uh, attached home, a condo, whatever, as long as the location and the amenities and the schools and all that stuff is where it needs to be, all these things are gonna be all gonna be really good for resale. I mean hundred percent. And you just really have to pay attention to that. And it doesn't matter where you start. It's kind of a snowball effect over time, just like anything else. Just like your 401 or your IRAs or whatever. You just got to start somewhere, get in the market somewhere, and try not to overstress about every factor you can't control.
0: I absolutely love that. And and just taking as one of the last questions that I love to ask always, and it's a little bit of a pivot from what we've been talking about. Now, as you look at your 10-year career and you continue forward and you have your family, and I know how much you love your hobbies and your passion projects and yeah. you just you always have struck me as a very well-rounded individual and i absolutely love that about you i wanted to ask like how do you define success ultimately so
1: i think success is very different for every individual person you know i think a lot of people will say it's measured by you know how big your bank account is or whatever and honestly i think it kind of comes back to what you just said and i appreciate the kind words but for me, I, I think it's it's more or less putting in the the consistency and having the discipline to get up every single day and, and put in a hard work, maintain my health, maintain my eating habits to a certain degree, right? Like hitting 39, I'm turning 40 this year, so it's like, you know, I love all that stuff too. But you know, or being a good husband, surrounding yourself with a good group of friends that have similar goals and interests, being able to take you know those vacations or that time off, work life balance, like still being able to save and, and put away for retirement and do all these things. I, I really feel like if you can keep all those things together while helping other people you know, achieve success too, like for me, that that's living a pretty successful life. And I just I feel really blessed to kind of be where I am after this amount of time. And uh, yeah, I mean, someone could look at what I've done and say, oh, that doesn't seem very successful or whatever. But then some people could look at what you've done and say, oh my God, that's the most successful person I've ever met in my life. I mean... Everyone just has a different level of that. So, I think consistency and discipline it, it really makes a big difference. And uh, in real estate, you really have to treat it like a full time job, and if not more. So, but I do love what I do, and and just putting people before money, man. I mean, that's the biggest thing. You know, I think that all that other stuff will come if you put the people first.
0: So. I think that's a great pausing point. Thank you so much, Jason, for this value. I know as a ton of people head into this market, they're going to find this episode really valuable. And I'll make sure to link all of Jason's links below so you can get in contact with him, especially if you're in the Portland metro area, potentially looking for your first home or second home. Thank you, Jason. Thanks, Khalai. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Unstucked podcast. Visit us at unstucked.com and follow us on TikTok at Unstucked.